the Lollygaggers podcast would like to extend our deepest apologies to friend and fan of the show, Peter Cetera. Peter, it's our bad. Despite this goodwill gesture, we will not apologize to John Travolta. In fact, John, you should apologize to us. Oh, my God. For challenges this week, we take a look at 1980s sequels, Karate Kid 2 and Disco's obituary, Staying Alive. Oh, my God. Welcome to episode number 63 of the Lollygaggers podcast. Show about all sorts of different things, from comics to games, movies, TV. I am one of your hosts, Jeff. Another Justin, what's up, man? So Disney bifurcated a guy. Did you see this Mandalorian trailer? That's uh, all the rage this weekend. What? You didn't? You didn't? You didn't see this? Like, yeah, there's a Mandalorian oh. trailer out right now, and like the big thing is like, dude gets cut in half. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mandalorian. I don't remember seeing that part. You don't see that remember. part at the end, like when he like he, he like the guy gets caught in the door and the door's closing, and then we cut the black. What oh, do you think happens? Yeah, yeah. No, it just like it stops right beforehand, and it's like there's someone in the doorway. Please exit the doorway. <laughs> is that what it is? I've always felt like the doors in the Star Wars universe were going to kill somebody, like how quickly they, they open and close sometimes. So, I mean, it's it's honestly, it's been a long time coming as far as I'm concerned. It's about time the door revolution rises up and takes you know control of this world. Yeah, I agree. So, Justin, uh, this is episode number two of our new format where we're just focusing on challenges. Uh, I'm pretty excited about this week's challenge because this uh, this week's challenge was a 1980s sequel focus, which I love 80s movies, even the bad ones. And there are probably more bad ones than good ones. I don't, I'm not really sure anymore now that we've been looking at it more carefully. Uh, but which one of us wants to go first? Who wants to go? We got some good options uh, this week, too. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about uh, about these options. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I went first last time, okay. so uh, we'll have you go first this time. I think that's a good idea. All right, so I get to t- oh my god, oh my god, I get oh my to god. T- oh my god, oh my god, uh, I get to talk about staying alive. Uh, which, uh, if you didn't know, that is my John Travolta impression. Oh my god, that's all I got. Really, uh, I can just say that. Uh, but staying alive is 1983. It's directed by one of your favorites, Justin. Uh, one Sly Stallone. Uh, Sylvester Stallone is the director, also a uh, writer, and uh, it's based on characters created by Nick Cohn from the previous movie, which was uh, Saturday Night Fever, which what's, is what Staying Alive is a sequel to. So the key thing for the challenge is that we had to pick a movie to challenge the other with that is a sequel to another movie. But the sequel had to have been released in 1980s, like somewhere in that decade. We didn't have, we didn't care whether or not the the first movie or the previous movies uh, was uh, was actually released in the 80s. So I think, if I recall correctly, Saturday Night Fever was like 79. So Staying Alive was a couple years later. But it follows the same character. It stars John Travolta again as Tony Manero. And he is still dancing. And boy, is there a lot of dancing in this movie. If you like dancing and if you like Bee Gees, this is like the best movie you could possibly have. And honestly... The best part about the movie to me was the was the soundtrack. Just like hearing the Bee Gees throughout the entire thing, um, it felt really good. It felt right. It, it calmed me down, uh, and I couldn't really uh, be any happier. Also, if did you're, you grow chest hair, feathered <laughs> hair, and a gold medallion? Is no, no, I didn't. I, I was very amazed at how many like open chest shirts there were in this. So 
all of the dancers. This is set in New York. It's set in Manhattan and Tony Monero. It's uh, five years after Saturday Night Fever, where he was in Brooklyn and he was a he was a big time dancer at a local disco. And he's moved to Manhattan and he's trying to make it make it big as a Broadway as a Broadway talent, trying to get on Broadway, for instance. And he's been doing a lot of uh, smaller roles like in the back. And he's trying to like make it big and he's trying to get on some kind of show. And it's not going well. He's getting rejected a lot lately. And it's really interesting because the, the beginning of the movie is like 10 minutes straight of just rehearsal montage to Bee Gees music. And I feel like if you did a drinking game and you had to take a shot every time you saw a dude wearing like an open chest leotard, like you would you would get drunk before the 10 minute montage is over. I never really remember that style. Like I was alive in the 80s. I was this is not a complaint, right? This no, is... no, no, not at all. Like, okay. I kind of want right. this back. Like, wouldn't that be great to, like, go to school and just be, like, open chat? As a teacher? Just as a like... teacher, you say? No, I mean, I, yeah. yeah. I think it'd be uh, sure, no, as a teacher, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I teach in a very, very hot environment, so, like, it would be nice. <laughs> no, it'd be terrible. It'd be awful. No one wants to see that. Uh, okay, so the basic premise of the movie, like I said, is it's five years after Saturday Night Fever, and Tony Monero is still... Still trying to make it as as a dancer. Now, he's not quite made it big, but he is a dance teacher, and he also does some other jobs, uh, things like uh, waitering at a, a local club and some other odds and ends. Um, he also has a, a pretty decent relationship going on uh, with Jackie, uh, who is played by, let me check my notes really quick, uh, Cynthia Rhodes. And like the two of them are cute, the two of them are nice, but he has a tendency to kind of not pay attention to her and not really give her the respect that she deserves. Like this movie doesn't really portray um, male bravado well. Like not that I guess I guess you can't really portray male bravado, but yeah, it's just he's a very like Tony Manero is not not the not a not a great guy. Like he sleeps around on her. He kind of he you know he lies to her. He says he's going to call, but he doesn't call. Says so he's going to show up, but he doesn't show up. Those types of things. Uh, so he's kind of taken her for granted, but she's great. Like she is super supportive, super nice, super encouraging, helps him out when he later in the movie, he's like, he needs help. Uh, but part of the movie is a romance, right? It's the idea of they have this relationship, but he's not really mature enough to take it seriously. He He's also not really mature enough to do what needs to be done to become a success, successful dancer. Um, so he starts getting infatuated with another character, uh, and this played by Finola Hughes and the character's name is Laura, who is this, uh, British dancer who is like a headliner and he gets really infatuated with her when he sees her at one of Jackie's rehearsals. Cause Jackie's been doing a decent job. She's like kind of like plain Jane sort of like that's kind of her role. Um, but she's a good dancer, not a great dancer, but she does a really good job in the background and he gets obsessed with her. He gets obsessed with her from a couple different perspectives. Um, Laura, that is uh, one perspective is that he's just sexually attracted to her and wants to, you know, they want they want to, quote, make it, which they do. Spoiler. And also um, the other thing is that he he's kind of obsessed with, like, how good she is at dancing. And I can't quite tell if he really means all that kind of stuff or not, because he uses that as a way to hit on her. He very creepily, like, busts into her uh, into her like dressing room, like, like it's like, it's a freaking Donald Trump beauty pageant or something like that. He's just like, he's just, Hey, what's up? And it, it's all cool. Like he can totally do that. And then she shuts the door in his face and he like throws the door back open because that's how you win women over, I guess, in 1983. Uh, but eventually he does win her over, which is funny. And they have a wonderful day together. And, uh, then she starts giving him the cold shoulder. He starts pressing the relationship too much. 
and the two of them kind of break it off, and he is sort of moving between the two women at this point. Uh, Jackie's sick and tired of Tony not treating her with the respect that she deserves, and so she breaks it off with Tony, too. And so he's just sort of aimlessly flapping in the wind. Now, he does get a gig, however. He gets a gig in the new show with Laura as the headliner, with Jackie in the, uh, in the background, and he's just going to be another background dancer until the lead male dancer for the show, uh, called I think it was called Satan's Alley, uh, was the name of the show. He is just too mechanical, and he doesn't have the anger that the director wants. But hey, Tony Monero's got all that anger because he's sick and tired of, of Laura kind of turning him down. He's sick and tired of not being a successful dancer, and he's got an attitude from his days in Brooklyn because everyone back in Brooklyn had an attitude, so it's just, what he, it's just who he is, you know? Uh, but he starts to re-examine his life a little bit. He goes back to Brooklyn, apologizes to his mother, eats some pie. Uh, he apologizes to Jackie for not really treating her right, and then eventually she takes him back. And he also kind of boldly tries to get the gig. Like He, he and Jackie work on uh, the routine, the, the male lead routine. And then he, he asks the director if he can give it a shot. And the director sees something in Tony. They try, fails at first, but... After like a really stern talking to where the director kind of tells Tony exactly who he is, you know, like what small he, you know, how small he is. And like if he leaves now, like you just threw away your shot. And so Tony goes back, uh, makes good. The last 20 minutes of the movie is basically the show uh, spliced into like three acts. The mother's there. We finally see Tony and Laura, who's the who's the, the female headline, like the two of them have some moments on stage. At one point, he throws her aside and decides to just do a solo routine, which ends up going really, really well. And at the very end of the movie, when everyone's getting accolades, when Tony realizes like he's, he's made it, he's done a good job, he kisses Jackie and he's like, I gotta go, I gotta go do something. I, gotta, I feel like doing something. She's like, what? And he's like, I gotta strut. And then the last like, the last like three, four minutes of the movie is, is him just strutting down Strutting down the street, looking at his ass a little bit, you know, looking at him on the street, doing that like the shift walk that that was so famous from Saturday Night Fever, and uh, yeah, and there's Bee Gees in the background, and that's the movie. That's that's the whole thing. Um, what did I think of it? I mean, it's fun, man. Like, it's a fun movie uh, if you have an open mind about it. It's not a great movie. Like, I don't want to pretend that this is this is some fantastic movie. And Tony Manero is not a character that really holds up pretty well in modern day 2019. <laughs> like, he's just a just kind of a caveman, uh, I think. Uh, but at the same time, he does come to the realization that he was being a jackass. But then again, how he behaves in the last few minutes, and especially on stage, if you know, I'm not sure if those lessons that he quote learned for the last 45 minutes of the movie would necessarily carry over into the next movie if there was like a staying alive part two electric boogaloo type thing going on. Um, it's you know, it's interesting to see that Laura basically was treating Tony the way that Tony was treating Jackie. So there's that nice little triangle thing going on. And, uh, you know, you hope that Tony, to some degree, was humbled by the thing. But then again, at the end, he's not just humbled anymore. He's back to his arrogant self. But maybe it's an arrogance with some some greater presence, some greater wherewithal. Um, it's it's fun. Like, it's fun in the sense that there's a lot of 1980s Bee Gees music. Um, there's Frank Stallone. He shows up. He's a him and his band uh, are uh, are in the background of a lounge because like one of Jackie's uh, other jobs besides dancing and besides also being a dance instructor is that she sings uh, part time with a band with a lounge band. And that's yeah, Frank Stallone's band. So that's kind of cool. And it's interesting, like because Tony, Tony gets all like jealous and territorial of, of the lead singer and everything like that. So 
Um, but it's a fun movie. Like if you if you remember John Travolta before his career was kind of resurrected with Pulp Fiction, like this was the height of it, right? These early 80s movies, late 70s movies between Saturday Night Fever, between Staying Alive and especially Grease, you know, all these movies definitely uh, definitely put him in the stardom. And then he kind of sunk away towards the latter half of the 80s because he was doing things like Look Who's Talking, Look Who's Talking Now, which while we remember it, it they weren't really good movies. Um, and then, you know, in the mid 90s, he came back into stardom again with Pulp Fiction and he's been around ever since doing you know, sometimes good movies, often really bad ones. See Battlefield Earth. Uh, but I enjoyed it. It was a, definitely a blast from the past. If you're not a person who likes disco music, who doesn't like Bee Gees, you're going to hate what is in your ears for the hour and a half that this movie lasts. And that's the other cool thing is it's not a particularly long movie. It's it's nice and quick. It's not the deepest movie. Um, so that's that's kind of nice. It doesn't outstay its welcome. You see plenty of dancing. You see plenty of music and or you listen to plenty of music. And I just think it's a good time. Not a great movie, but a good time. What do you think of it, Justin? I think the uh, ending was ridiculous. The last 20 minutes is almost like a fever dream after it having too much. Ridiculous, uh, like in a good way, right? Yeah, it's just this weird, like, interpretive dance thing yeah. of, I don't know, it's just, oh boy, it was a lot, a lot going on. It was on. so oh. intense, man. So, like, the story is basically this guy who's John Travolta's character goes down into hell where he, I suppose he's tempted by all sorts of minions and stuff like that. Like I couldn't quite get what Laura's character was, whether they were adversarial or whether like he was trying to save her. I guess at the end he sort of saved her, but other times it was kind of adversarial, but like it was pretty crazy. There was people like in zombie leotards and there was like (laughs) chains on the set. There was a ton of dry ice that was going on. Dude, that was, that looked like fun, man. I would have totally gone to that show if I, uh, if I lived near Broadway. But overall, it's it's a it's a near the end of disco type movie, early '80s. Like it's it encapsulates that that time period pretty well. Um, but as a whole, it's just kind of like you know, you, you think to yourself when you're watching the whole movie the whole time, "Oh my god!" You know what I mean? That's that's, yeah. that's kind of how I feel about the whole time I was watching. Just "Oh my god!" Yeah, yeah. It was um, it was pretty interesting that like. It's it's always funny to remember that Sylvester Stallone is involved in this, right? It's just weird to think that. Like that is strange because yeah. I think this is like really close off the heels of I think First Blood or something. I think First Blood was like might have been, yeah. I thought it was just like before this or something. Yeah, but like it's ridiculous that the same person's connected to this. This is funny. It's yeah, like so he was like right two completely Bruce polar movie. opposite movies. Yeah. Know? Well, I mean, like Stallone does have a decent. Like he's got a, you know, he's got some writing chops. I mean, he wrote Rocky famously, et cetera, you know, and so he worked on this, on the script for this and then he also directed it and I guess he was a producer as well. So there's a lot of stuff going on and I love that he got Frank Stallone into the movie. Uh, bon Jovi's uh, guitarist, Richie Sambora was also as like a, it was a, had like a little cameo as part of uh, the, the band and the scene uh, at the club uh, where Jackie was singing. So that's kind of cool. Uh, so there's other little, little things like that. Um, I, I love the this the scenes with the mother, uh, the the two back and forth. That I, I was flashing back because I'm I, I'm not from New York, but my entire family is. I was like the first, and I think really to this point, no, I guess yeah, I was just the first. And then we have had a couple others since then, not born in New York, but I used to go back to New York all the time. So, and my mother's side is majorly Italian, so I was like getting flashbacks to some stuff. So it was kind of pretty cool to 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 see all that kind of stuff. Um, 
I mean, I don't want to pretend that this is a good movie. Like, it's not. Like, this is one of those, like, nostalgia trips for me. Like, it's really not a good movie. It's just, I. but looking back, it's just like, oh, this is, this was a fun, this was definitely a fun, like, trip down memory lane. But if I were actually looking for a good movie to watch, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't pick this. Like, whether it was 1984 or, or 2019, like, I can't recommend it for anybody. But, like, for a fun, like, hour and a half of watching straight silliness, like, it's pretty cool. And seeing and seeing, you know, John Travolta do his most kind of cliche, like the the oh my god type role, like it's so so cliche and fun. Yeah, it's one of those things where like if if you know you're going in because '80s movies have a a certain nostalgia to them where it's like, what were we all thinking at all times? Yeah, you know, yeah. Like I can't believe that this got greenlit type of stuff. Yeah. That's uh, fair. So like when you when you go into like that attitude, like. I'm gonna just try and enjoy this movie for what it is. It's not bad. It's 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 it's, it's you know. But like, I'm not gonna say like you said. We're not gonna. I'm not gonna be like. If you haven't seen it, you gotta watch Staying Alive oh, yeah, right now. Sure. It's not one of those things. But it's like if you're like, I want to watch some '80s ridiculousness. This is kind of right up your alley. Yeah. So a couple other little notes. Uh, I'm just looking at IMDb really quickly. So like one of the, and I actually noticed one of these, but I didn't notice the other. So there, like Sylvester Stallone does make a cameo. Like there's this one montage scene when like when Tony Manero is like walking down the street and he bumps into a guy and it's it's Sylvester Stallone and he's got this like big old like fur coat on and sun and like sunglasses. It's great. And apparently, and I, now I want to go back and look, but apparently Patrick Swayze uh, was. Uh, was in this somewhere. He was one the of the sways. According to IMDb, one of the dancers during the rehearsal for Satan's Alley in the Far From Over montage before the Satan's Alley sequence. So apparently he was the one wearing white suspenders and he is also the one catching Cynthia Rhodes towards the beginning of the montage, uh, who is one of his future co-stars in Dirty Dancing. So I have to go back and take a look at that because I don't I don't remember. I got a I got a good cameo in my movie too <laughs> that hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Okay, so I am ready for my quiz. Let's hear it. What do you got? Let's do it. All right, first question. How does Tony save money on washing his clothes? God, I don't remember this. How does he save money on washing his clothes? On washing his clothes? I don't remember anything about washing his clothes. I completely missed that. What is it? Early on in the movie, you're showing like, you know, he's in a rundown apartment and where he's at and stuff like that. So the way he saves his money is he, while he's taking a shower, he also washes his clothes. And that's how he saves his money by washing his clothes. Okay. So that was, I do not remember that at all. Wow. Okay. Next question. What is Tony's mom concerned about with his new job on Broadway? So he calls her up, says, Ma, I got a job. And he's like, it's it's, it's on Broadway. I'm dancing. And what's she worried about? (laughs) with uh, his new job uh she's worried about uh, the nudity like you're not gonna do the nudity that's not at all what she sounds like uh by the way she sounds like stereotypical Wait, she's, she's mrs garrett <laughs> she's not mrs oh. garrett she's Teddy. Okay. Uh, no but yeah uh, she's concerned with the she's concerned concerned with yeah nudity. she she alludes that he's a stripper basically like you're keeping right. your clothes on aren't you yeah well, <laughs> can we not do an Italian? Like, I, I can't. I don't know if I can do an Italian grandmother <laughs> voice. I, don't think I feel can. nervous. This is neither of us. I had an All Italian right. grandmother. I feel what guilty if, doing it. What if she was like maybe like Austrian and did lots of steroids? Then maybe I could do it. But like if <laughs> if all the Italian grandmothers. Dylan, you son of a bitch. Dylan, you son of a bitch. You got you pushing too many pencils. You're pushing too many pencils. All right. So next question. <laughs> all right. 
Is this a dancing studio or a circus, Jeffrey? That's what I want to know. <laughs> it is a circus, my friend. That is 100% a circus. Are you kidding? With the attitude that we're having in that place where he couldn't lift her over his shoulder, it's absolutely a circus. You're it's totally right. a circus. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. So, next question. Tony's a pretty tough guy. Yeah. In this movie, yeah, right? he's very tough. He, tough he's, guy. Tough guy. Lots of, lots of times, he gets really upset. He flexes a lot. Very vascular. Kind of a scary looking vascular. guy. Right? That's interesting. That's yeah, an interesting of, vascular. I huh? was noticing he had really <laughs> huge like veins popping through his biceps. Anyways, so my question is, keeping that in mind, who would you rather fight? Okay. Would you rather fight a dancer, an urban cowboy, mm. a greaser, Ooh. or an angel? That's my question to wow. you. Um, okay. So an angel right out. Because first of all, those suckers are like they they're like supernatural and stuff and they can do all they can cast some spells and things and they're probably immortal or some nonsense uh and also i watch supernatural and the angels and supernatural are, are they're dicks so i'm gonna say no to that one uh now the urban cowboy you know i'm gonna set that one aside because it's not a it's not a real cowboy it's an urban cowboy real cowboy hell no urban cowboy maybe uh, greaser, I think I can take a greaser. I really do. Uh, so I'm going to leave that there. I definitely don't want to fight a dancer because I feel like they're super limber. Uh, I feel like there's like no way. I'm They'll definitely like, outlast you. They, will, they, they have you. way better stamina and they're super, super lithe. And like I could never get them like a chokehold. They just like weasel their way out. So, I mean, it's pretty close. They'll, they'll kick ball change out of your, uh, sure. your, your chokehold. Yeah. Yeah, but see, I think the greasers and the other thing, the problem with the greasers is that they have so much grease in their hair. It's kind of the same problem. Like you, you get, you grab them in a headlock and they just slip yeah, right out. You know? Yeah, they also might have knives on them. Yeah. They might have a switchblade. I know what I mean? that's that's true. Or you can just cut your, you cut yourself on one of their zippers or their many leather jackets, like something like that. So I'm gonna go ahead and by default have to go to Urban Cowboy. I feel like that's what's gonna have to be. You know, Jeffrey, I, I didn't think it was possible. You know, <laughs> you know, all the years that we've spent together, I didn't think sure. it was possible for you to get this correct. But you got it correct, sir. Yeah. You got yourself a correct answer with Urban Cowboy. Nice. Now, next, my next and final question, Jeffrey. Okay. Um, and this is very important. Oh my God! Oh my God! That's correct. Yeah, that's absolutely <laughs> correct. Yeah. I thought yeah. about doing, and I practiced this earlier today, doing like my whole review. In like Tony, like the Tony Manero voice, <laughs> you know? voice. Yeah, I thought about doing oh, like, it's like a 1983 American <laughs> dance musical film starring John Travolta. <laughs> oh my God. We're going to stop and re-record. Like, uh, these We're going to stop and re-record. John Travolta plays Tony Manero in Cynthia Rhodes in Finola And then he, Hughes, and then he touched my hair. He touched my, <laughs> he touched anything my, but the oh hair. Oh, oh man, so bad! You made a terrible decision <laughs> by not doing that. I, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't. I mean, I don't know if I could have last. I, I would have giggled the whole time. All right, so how did I do? Looking at what we got here, let's see. We only got one wrong, so that's a four to five. Oh my god! Uh, oh my god! I got four like, out of that, five. That's, that's the proper response. Yeah. To, to that number, You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. So, thank you. Yeah. I did good. All right, so for me. Yeah, for you. What you got? Uh, for my 80s sequel <laughs> is a movie I now as I watched it today I don't think I've ever seen this one I think I, I am saw shocked three. I am shocked and dare I say it disappointed because this is my I'm disappointed out too now that I've watched it my favorite of all of them even the new ones the ones with Hillary the one with Hillary Swank and the night I'm this I is do remember favorite. the one with Hillary Swank yeah but like I I remember the third one because I remember the bonsai tree stuff but I thought sure. I was in this one so I never saw the second one 
So I, I was movie. assigned to watch Karate Kid Part oh, 2. Oh my god, one I've of my favorites. Never seen, and I watched it today. Um, started by John G. Uh, Alvidson and written by Robert Mark Kamen. And it's the same guy who created the one from the first one. So the guy who wrote the first one wrote the second one. So this stars Pat Morita, of course, Mr. Miyagi, and Ralph, the man Machio. All right. And uh, what was more surprising to me, because I, I, I really knew nothing about this. I thought the second movie was about, he goes, so this is legitimately what I thought, okay? I cannot wait so, to hear this theory. Hold on. I Let thought, me get comfortable. Let me get comfortable. Okay, I'm ready. Go. I, I thought he goes to Japan and has another fighting tournament. Basically the exact same story as the first he one. Did. That's what I he did. He did, except this time they were fighting for blood. Okay. It's way more serious. So. It's way more serious. It's crazy more serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this movie's actually about Mr. Miyagi. It's not about Danny at all. It's That's which, true. I, which I think is great it's and really fantastic. surprising. It's so it was good. like it's probably one of the best sequels that I can think of. I think it's um, the best sequel. I just I can't because it's almost completely un Unlike the first one in any way, shape, or form, because the first one's about you know Danny, you know being bullied at school, taking up karate, and having anger and stuff, and yeah, through Mr. Miyagi, learning through discipline, stuff like that, becoming a, a, a better man. Well, this one goes to like the past of Mr. Miyagi, which I thought was great. I'm sure if I was a kid, right, and it was 1980, whenever this was made, and I watched this thinking, I love Karate Kid one, I love Crane Kick, I want to see the second one. I would have been furious. I'm absolutely sure as a child I would have been pissed off because it is a slow movie. It is a somewhat serious movie and it has a lot of heart and there's not, there's no like, there's barely any fighting in this entire movie. There's nothing. So like the I know, whole that's what makes it great though. It's weird that you say that. Cause yeah. when I was a kid, I loved credit kid. And then when Greta Kid 2 came out, I loved this even more. Now, that was amazing. Like, they went to freaking Japan. Are you kidding? That's so much cooler than, like, some stupid little high school dojo or something. Yeah. So I just thought it was interesting, like, if how how they were able to – and because like, you know how the 80s were with their weird sequels. How, how they were able to say, hey, let's do this next movie. All right. Let's do, I, I assume, like, the, the producers were like, all right, what's Danny into this time? Was he going to find another bully and then win over another dojo? No, I want to follow a 50 to 60 year old Japanese man in his story. And doesn't it make okay. the story of like Karate Kid 3 even more disappointing? Like you come back yeah, and you redo the exact same story as number one. And not only that, like Daniel has the audacity to like fire Mr. Miyagi and be like, no, nah, sorry, dude. Even though like we've been through life and death together. I'm just yeah, there's a lot of like, like really what? hardcore stuff that happened. Yeah. So anyways, let's get into the story. So. Okay. Um, so it's directly after the first movie, um, and Miyagi receives a letter from his father that he's fallen ill and he's dying. Now, Miyagi used to live in Okinawa, Japan, and he left a long time ago because he fell in love with a woman who was promised through an arrangement to marry his best friend. And he asked this woman to marry him. And she, he basically humiliated his best friend. And in order to kind of like help his friend save face, he left the country uh, to kind of be like, I don't want to fight. I just want to get out of here because his, his friend wanted to fight him. Sato, Sato was his friend. He wanted to fight him. And he's like, I don't want to fight you. I just want to, I'm sorry for everything I did. So he left uh, Okinawa for America. 
So he that's why he came back. So he gets this letter to go to help his father out as he's, you know, falling ill and, you know, seemingly passing away. And Danny kind of shoves himself into the whole scenario and says, hey, I want to come with you. And it's just one of those things where it's like, get the hell out of here, kid. Just want to talk well, with Mr. Miyagi. It's pretty sweet. One of the reasons why, I mean, like one of the reasons is because he just kind of got dumped, right? Didn't uh, Elizabeth? Yeah, everything kind of yeah. just, everything kind of just fell down around him. And yeah, like, like I need. So strange. Like, I, I feel like that's a weird dump. I didn't really, hmm, I didn't really follow that, you know? It's just like, well, I don't know. But then again, Kamiko is like. Yeah, I mean, well, when you're riding high off of a karate tournament, yeah. anything's possible. I can't believe she dumped him. Like, he was going to get so many, like, endorsements. He's going to be in, like, a Wheaties box and stuff. It's okay. She's with Homelander now, so it's all right. So, uh. Have you, uh, have you finished that, by the way? I still need to finish it. Anyway, so, uh. <laughs> So they go back to his, his home country, and immediately when he gets there, these people show up in the car saying, "Oh, wait, we're here to take you back to your little, uh, your little town." And they take him in a different direction, and it's this really tall, douchey guy uh, named Chosen. And they drive into this open warehouse, and Sato's there saying, "I can't believe you're here. Uh, I'm going to kill you. You've, you know, humiliated me for my entire life." Even though one could argue that his humiliation drove him to be a better man, you know, because he became like a super powerful uh, multimillionaire in the country since this all happened. Anyways, uh, Miyagi says, I'm not going to fight you. I just I just want to come here and deal with my father and I'll get out of your hair. I don't want to cause any problems. I'm sorry. So he lets him go back to his, his town, goes to his town, and he finds that the woman that he fell in love with is not married to Sato like she was supposed to, and she's been unmarried the whole time, and they start falling in love again, and it's kind of a sweet thing. Uh, eventually, uh, Sato shows up to the village and wants to fight Mr. Miyagi, but right before they start fighting, the love interest, uh, Miyagi's love interest comes and says, your father needs you, and he kind of brings them together, has them hold hands, and he passes away while he they're together because he was also Sato's uh like master in karate when he was teaching as well so Sato says I'll give you three days to kind of like honor the passing of your father and it's kind of weird but it also makes sense to kind of explain where it's like why is he giving him these leeways why are they kind of like you know he shows up to the funeral and they're standing next to each other and Miyagi explains it as like he he he's hurt in his heart not in his head so he he he's hurting, but he understands that the importance of what's going on here, and like even though he hates me, we have to kind of like honor my father and stuff like that. Three days go by, nothing happens. A bunch of stuff happens between Chosen and Danny. Danny's falling in love with a local dance instructor at the school, like a person that takes care of the kids after uh, after their little time in school. And it's a dumb Kimiko little... Kamiko is her name, by the way. Yeah, Kamiko. It's a dumb little thing where it's like, yeah, of course, American boy fall in love with, uh, with this girl. Be careful, sir. She is adorable. They're, she they're is. so cute together. They do dancing and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so then he... After three days, Seto shows up, starts trashing uh, Miyagi's place and then threatens to knock down the whole city or the whole little village because he owns the village and says if you don't fight me I'm going to destroy this entire village and so Miyagi says fine I'll fight you uh, and he's like tonight at midnight and so while they're waiting for it to happen as the day goes by a giant storm comes in they're waiting in the dojo to fight 
the dojo blows over. Chosen was inside. Chosen's the nephew of Seto. Chosen's inside, and then he leaves. He thinks that Seto died. And so Miyagi goes to the place and sees Seto still alive. He saves his life, gets him out of there, kind of restores his honor. And um, they tell Chosen to go uh, save this little girl that's up in a bell tower alerting people of Terrible Storm, which doesn't make sense. Why would you send a little child up there to go do that and just leave her up there? Yeah, um, I, I really didn't understand why she was up there. Like, I don't even know if that made sense, like, why why she was up there. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, that, that whole thing. I mean, it had to at least be a, a somewhat a. It was cool of her to, like, there. take one for the team because Danny really needed to to look like a, like a hero there. Yeah, he had to be cool. He yeah. needed to get the girl to make out with him at some point. So, anyways, um, I forgot to mention this whole time. The So, like, the last movie, the big move was the crane kick. Right. In this movie, it's all based around that little drummy thing that you roll with your hands and the little balls come hit the side of the drummy thing because it's all about countering and striking back. So they talk about that for a little bit and blah, blah, blah. Anyways, uh, Chosen doesn't go out to help the girl, so he kind of shames himself. Seto goes and helps instead and says, you're dead to me because you're a coward. Uh, Chosen runs away into the storm. How he doesn't get hurt, I don't understand. And then he's like, I'm sorry for all the bad stuff I did. Here's the deed to the village. I understand that my bad ways. Seto apologizes, they, and they start like a dance. And I, th- I was watching this, I realized there's like 15 minutes still left in this movie. So what the hell is the last 15 minutes for? And so they kind of shove in a fight with Danny and Chosen at the end of the movie because Danny's got to be the hero. So like Chosen shows up and says, you humiliated me. You made me coward. I'm dead to my uncle. I want to fight you to the death now. And so he like jumps in with a knife, puts a knife to uh, Kamika's throat and says, I'm going to fight you. And so Danny's in there and they have a fight. And the way he beats him is with the movement he learned from like the, the drum thing. And then everyone wins. Everybody, everybody's happy. Honestly, this movie could have done without Danny completely. Um, I think mm, that he was interesting. Kind of pointless. This whole thing. I thought no, the more true. interesting thing was the Miyagi story. I thought, uh, I thought Pat Morita did a ph- phenomenal job. There's that one scene where he's sitting at the beach and Daniel comes up and talks to him about how his father died and stuff. And Mr. Miyagi starts crying. And so it's act- I watched it. I was like, man, that's really good. I know. It's re- it was yeah. a really great moment. And it was, it was very sad. Um, and it was a really cool thing. It's like, I thought it was great. Um, so my comments for the end of this movie uh, is where are all the uh, adults or law enforcement when this is happening, when this guy is uh, threatening to kill someone. Dude, and Okinawa is like the death. wild west, man. Com- Apparently, low, man. Careful. Next thing, as I'm watching this movie, uh, there, Danny's walking through the town and I see a guy talking to him and I go, B.D. Wong? And B.D. <laughs> Wong's in this movie. And I was like, am I being racist or is that B.D. Wong? So then I went on the IMDb and I looked up B.D. Wong's credits and he's in Karate Kid too. Do you know who like, else is oh, in God. that? You know who else is in it? And he was the like, only other guy I can think of is the black guy from Die Hard. Uh, in fr- yes, that, that is who it is. I always think of him as two guys. First of all, he was Conrad Masterson in Matlock. Uh, so that's one of the places I remember him from. And I also remember him as the guy from Top Gun whose actual call sign I forget, but he's the dude who in the diner scene or like the like the karaoke scene when Tom Cruise starts singing the Everly Brothers, he's the one who grabs the mic from Tom Cruise 
after the first verse and he starts in on the second verse and it kind of starts to peter out at that point so i always kind of feel bad for him but uh, yeah i always remember that guy don't remember his name i remember him uh, from yeah. die hard as the guy who picks the safe yes That's that, that is the same guy same guy yep so uh yeah overall i thought it was a good movie Fantastic. for for a movie i have never actually seen and i am i can't believe i've never seen it and i was watching the whole time like man i don't there's never been a time I've seen this. Uh, so it's weird how I've seen Karate Kid 1 and 3, but not 2. Yeah. Um, but it was a good movie. I thought Pat Marie was great. And uh, the soundtrack's great. Peter Cetera, hell yeah. I'll take Yacht Rock any day. I love me some Yacht Rock. And Peter Cetera is the king of Yacht Rock. Yeah. So I, I thought it was a good movie. Um, a few little fun facts I learned. Uh there was a scene with Elizabeth Shue and Allie in the beginning yep. of the movie, but they scrapped it. Yep. it was, yep. They got rid of it. Um, it was filmed in Hawaii because Okinawa was a terrible place for them to film, I guess. Um, the love interest of Pat Morita in the, for Mr. Miyagi was also his fiance in the Happy Days TV show. No. So there's a little bit of nepotism in there, I guess, somewhat. Nepo- with that. How is that nepotism? It's not really. That's not nepotism I guess, at all. Whatever. That's not the case. No. Anyways, same woman. She played his fiance it's when he gets married in Happy Days. Um, okay. And also, it did better than the first one. Like, it made... Because it was a better movie. Way more money. Yeah. Because it was a better movie. It made way more money. It's more critically acclaimed than the first one. It's a really good Excuse movie. Me. It's kind of like The Godfather you know, yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I one's agree. good, but two really seals exactly. it. So, uh, and then three but, uh, is total horseshit. That's weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. But like, I was really surprised. I was actually entertained the whole movie. Again, I'm not a huge fan of, uh, Danny. You're wrong. I thought that he kind of brought down the, the movie a little bit. Well, you bring down uh, the podcast. So that makes sense. So, no, so I, that's why it's one of those things like you recognize yourself in him. Yeah, and it makes me angry. So that's what it is. Okay. But uh, overall, it was a good movie. So. Right. Very nice. Very nice. You ready for your quiz? Uh, I'm as ready as a crane kick. Okay. So you you reference we reference Conrad Masterson, who has taken bets uh, inside of this little kind of like arcade type thing. And what happens inside of this place is that there are these sheets of ice that they set up, that they stand up, and then, like, people bet on how many sheets they can, like, break if they hit it. And so there's a bunch of, like, I assume they're American military guys who are stationed nearby, and they're, like, kind of breaking through, and they're being... Yeah, I was I was questioning it. at first. I'm like, man, there's a lot of Americans in this yeah. movie. Then I, was like, I assume okay, there's just military. It's, it's their way to kind of explain, you know, they, the military being there is the way explaining that they had that yeah. type of, you know, a bunch of American extras. So, a couple questions of this, then. Okay, number one is uh how many sheets did uh did he break six that's correct that's that's Chris and then what what does Daniel say is the strategy the key to breaking these things uh he was saying that it's in their stance you got to use your hips that's oh. what he was saying sorry that is incorrect like that's that is incorrect Justin it's 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 it, it's it's all about strength up here, and I'm pointing to my head, not that anyone can uh, see. Not strength not here. here, which is in the arm. But that's part of what he was saying. It's and like, the thing is, I want to ask hips. you: Do you believe that? Because I really don't believe that at all. I think in the end, it's going to come down to: Can I physically break through sheets yeah. of ice? I think, I think like, it's got a little bit to do with the strength in your arm. With here, yeah, I'm pointing here. my bicep. Right. It's sure. a little bit. It's sure. a little bit here. So yeah. I'm gonna give you half credit. This is good radio right now. Yeah, this is great. I'm gonna, give you, I'm gonna give you half credit. Okay, so then next question immediately after, so like, there's some betting going on because out of nowhere, <laughs> out of nowhere, Mr. Miyagi uh, and uh, 
in the rivals start showing up. So Chosen and Sayato, Sayoto, uh, show up and they start betting and like doubling down. And so Mr. Miyagi, in order to get Daniel to have the confidence to actually break through all six of these sheets of ice, which of course he does, he raises the bet to like 600 bucks. And when they win, he collects the money. They go outside. What does Mr. Miyagi say that they're going to use the money for? Uh, he says he's going to use the money for college tuition. That is half correct. Danny is going to uh, use it for college tuition. He's going to use it for Chinese food. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah, going to give yeah. you a half credit for that because you got Which doesn't make sense. Why would – you're not going to get Chinese – Well, what? we're in America and we eat Chinese food. So, I mean – Sure, Are you saying only j- j- people in Japan can only eat Japanese food? God, that's just – it's just yeah. so like you. That's just so like you, Justin. Yeah. Uh, okay, so oh, yeah, then yeah. let's see. Next question. So here's the thing. Um, how impressive was it? I know you you really didn't like Danny, but how impressive was Danny at the end of the at the end of the the actual fight? He did that whole fight. Actually, let me rephrase this question. What's more impressive, Danny doing that whole final duel in jeans, or chosen doing that <laughs> whole final fight? In like a Mortal Two Scorp- Mortal Kombat Two Scorpion outfit, what's more impressive? I I was really impressed with the Mortal Kombat Two Scorpion outfit because it was so out of left field. Um, however, Danny's jeans were so tight. Yeah. I don't understand how his body would be able to move properly. And did you also notice that during that fight they didn't show anything from like the shoulders down because mm-hmm. they didn't want to show how the move actually works? I thought that was. It's like no one's actually. I can't even see what he's actually doing. I'm assuming he's countering and punching back. I feel but. like I feel like both. See, this is the problem with Karate Kid. It's like the end of the first movie and the end of the second movie. They both end on these like moves that are supposed to be so amazing, but they're like super easily counterable. You know, like I, I feel like they're easy. Yeah, you should, you know? like chosen shows the cranky. You just, you just, <laughs> just put your hands up and just block. The, yeah. It's like really not that hard. Like, like this, this idiot's gonna kick me. Don't run at him with your face first. That, that's all. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like this little kid's about to kick me. I better watch out for that foot. Okay. And for this one, it was just really strange because like you don't even actually see the move ever, which is weird. But okay. you kind of like infer what's happening. So yeah, I'll say Scorpion effort. That is incorrect, Justin. No, 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 no. I said no. I said no. I said you jeans. said I don't know I said what to jeans. do here. I, I don't know what to do here. You, you just I, said I I'm wrong. so confused. What should I do oh. here? What's fair? Jeans were too tight because I was talking about jeans were too tight. What's fair? I just I don't misremembered know. what I said. said. I missed around All right. All right. I'm going to give you the point. I'm going to give you the point. I'm going to give you the point. Oh, I'm, I'm in a good mood because it's Karate Kid 2. All right. Next question. How did Daniel know how to dance? Because they go to a dance. Oh, his, mo- his mother ran like a studio or there something. You go. Was, All right. You're doing great. Okay. Now. Which I was crazy. Like, man, he's real good. For a guy who says he didn't have rhythm or yeah. didn't have, uh, what was it? I forget the word he used. Yeah, he sure is really good at that uh, doo-wop dancing. So. Okay. Multi-step question here. Justin, who is the man who will fight for your honor? I am the man who will fight for your honor. Wow. Um, you just like ruined the rest of the... I'm so sorry. You ruined it. Like, with your... Peter Cetera is so good. Who is uh, the hero that you've been dreaming of? I am. I'm not going to sing it because I, I ruined the last one. Uh, and what did we do it all for? I don't remember that that line of the song, but uh, I will say the soundtrack of this film 
I think is better than staying alive. Um, because well, Peter Cetera, so. Peter Cetera, uh, after he left Chicago, you, you can't argue that this man knows what he's doing. You know? Okay. So, so unfortunately you got all those wrong. Who is the man who will fight for your honor? The correct answer is Baker Mayfield. Who is the hero that you've been dreaming of? <laughs> the answer is Baker Mayfield. And yeah, who did we do oh this all for? We did it all for a playoff berth. So, like, yeah. very simple. It's right there, and you just got them all wrong. And he's got a great mustache, too. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> but, so but the last one was actually love. So it's like we did it all for love. We did it all for love. And then final question, Justin. Live or die, man. Hark. No, the correct. He said die. And and then Danny and said hurt. wrong answer. And then Danny and said wrong. No, and then Danny said wrong answer, which by definition, or like, like, like you can like intuit then that the correct answer was live. live. Like you didn't, you didn't say. Here's the thing. We're just no. not synced right now for this. His, his timing at his hunk was real bad too. Your timing, like it was. Your timing's bad. He's, he's like, wrong answer. Hunk. It like so fast. Like I didn't, it wasn't as good as when Mr. Miyagi did it in the first movie. Okay, That's so, all I'm saying. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead. You got one one point for the jeans. You got one point for mom. You got half a point for college tuition. Or excuse me, yeah, for college tuition. You got half a point for like the other one or something like that. So I think you ended up with three points. Still pretty good showing for you, actually. It's not bad. You know, you know, when you think about my track record, this is pretty high up there with some of the best. You know? Okay. So I'm, I'm going to It's true. It. It's fair. It's also one of the best movies you've ever had to, the pleasure of watching. Justin, are you ready to do challenges for next week? You ready to uh, to spin the wheel? Yeah. All right. I have uh, I've queued it up. I've queued it up so that we don't have to sit here and watch the uh, watch our our Google Excel sheet spin. But we're spinning the wheel, and by wheel I mean like the loading thing. And it looks like we've gonna we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna be doing games of the 1980s. Now this could mean a couple different things. This could be like we actually assign each other games. Like we can actually do that. It doesn't say video games. It doesn't say board games. It doesn't say tabletop games. It could be anything. Okay. Or we can do something that's related to games. Could be a TV show that involves games. Could be a movie that involves games. Uh, could be comics that involves games. So it's just something to do with games. So many options in the 1980s. That's two in a row we've got in the 1980s, which always makes me happy because I honestly would just like to do the whole podcast on like 80s content because I'm I'm one of those re- retro nerd guys. Okay, and that's it. Uh, so if you uh, if you like the new like the new format, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, drop us a line. You can head over to thelollygaggers.com. I'm on Twitter at lollygaggerco. Justin's at Twitter uh, on Twitter at buysjustin, and uh, he's also on Twitch, Twitch.tv/jahufa. Uh, Justin, I think my I think my final question to you uh, for for this episode is that I would like you to sing. As much as you can remember of Peter Cetera's glory of love, using your your famous Arnold Schwarzenegger voice. Thank you. Go ahead. I don't know any of the words. You don't know any of the so, words. Oh no, oh my god. I can't help it. Oh my god. Tonight is uh, very clear. As we're both standing here. There's so so many things I wanna say. I will always love you. I will never leave you alone. It's like a real Shyamalan twist <laughs> going on right now. Sometimes I just forget. I just forget. Say things I might regret. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs>